0: Good morning, everyone. Hello. You're all awake? I hope. I've been up since quarter to five, not by choice. So for me, this feels like lunchtime. (laughs) I actually did start getting hungry. Um, Small children will do that to you. So today, um, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about the gospel. The theme that we're running with at the moment is gospel power. So Calvin started us off last week, and we're going to carry on with that today. And I felt like, first of all, let's just have a look at what is the gospel. Um, We got given this topic, so that was my first question to myself, is what do I actually think the gospel is? How can I talk about it if I don't even know what I would define it as? So I would say that the gospel is the life of Jesus, his story, the power of that, and how it influences our lives. So that's how I see it. It's the stories we read in the scriptures and their impact—that's what I would say the gospel is. So the gospel changes lives and it saves lives, and it's good news. It's very good news. Um, I was thinking back to when we were in the deep dark days of COVID, and we all started getting very desperate for good news because we were completely surrounded by all these horrible things, and we had so much uncertainty. And you know, every day was a family meeting, and the world was falling apart. And then every now and then on the internet, there would be these moments of good news. I don't know if you guys saw any of that. These people would create these accounts where they would only share cool things. I mean, some of them were silly, you know, the videos of cats doing funny things or whatever it was, there was people getting married over Zoom and everyone would clap and cheer and cry for them. But it was just these moments where we could grab onto something that was good and know that there is still good in the world there is still good news, even though we're all stuck at home, even though whatever else is happening, there was still some good news. And so that is what I would say the gospel is. And the gospel is also where our faith comes from. So Romans 10, verse 17, I gave my verses to them a little bit late, so I don't know if we're going to follow along. But Romans 10, verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we hear the story of Christ, of his life and what he has done, and that is what gives us our faith. We believe. We choose to believe in that, and that is where our faith comes from. It's from hearing that message, and the gospel is what we believe in. And how do we hear the gospel? In the parables, Jesus is constantly telling us, if we go look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if we go and start there, where the life of Jesus, in those stories, we are learning the gospel story. We are learning about the characteristics of Jesus and God and how they feel about us and how they want us to live our lives. Um, So, for example, something like the one about the sheep right? When um, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. Not none of us. Maybe there are sheep farmers here. Most of us are not sheep farmers, (laughs) right? So that story on a practical level, I, I mean, cool, you left the sheep there. That was probably dangerous. But on a spiritual level, God is telling us something about how he sees us. He will leave everyone else just to go and save us. So those, those are the things we're looking at when we look at the parables. We're just getting a taste for how God sees us through the Gospels. Um, the ones when we look at when he provided food, the fish and the loaves, we look at these stories of Jesus' miracles in his life on earth. And what we're actually seeing is kingdom values, and we're seeing God's heart for us as his children being played out through Jesus' life on earth. Um All these stories, all these miracles, all the times that God provided, those are all stories that are actually getting implanted into our hearts and are part of our faith in what we believe. And the stories of redemption, we look at Zacchaeus, who was inspired to transform his whole life from being the evil tax collector to someone who was thirsty after God and doing exactly what Jesus was asking, doing a complete 180 on his life after being seen by Jesus, and the gospel empowers us. That's what it does. Okay. So that is what I see the gospel as. Does that make sense to you guys? Are we still awake? you still with me? I just wanted to use that as the groundwork so we have a sort of basis of what we're talking about when we say the word gospel. We're talking about the story of Jesus and how it impacts us. So how does it change our lives? How does the gospel change our lives? I mean, I guess that's also up to you because we all have our own stories. But I just want to give you a couple points on how I think the gospel changed my life and maybe yours as well. So can you follow with me? The first thing I actually want to read to you is from Mike Pilavachi's book that he did on, I think it's called The Everyday Supernatural, something like that. Um, Just speaking about what happened When Jesus started doing his work on earth. So we're looking at when Jesus was here and he started performing the miracles. This is what we see. Blind people would have seen their families and the world for the first time. Those who had been outcasts, despised and rejected were made whole and welcomed in. Those who were burying their relatives discovered they needed to postpone the funeral. Even badly planned wedding receptions were rescued. Time and again, we are told that Jesus was motivated by compassion. Lame beggars, sinful women, people who were hungry and poor, people who were frightened and alone, and people who were trapped and desperate, all met the glory of God. Their lives were transformed because they found him to be full of goodness, mercy, and compassion. They encountered a power that revealed the love of God and were changed forever from the gospel, the power of Jesus on earth and in our lives. Isn't that amazing? So the first thing that the gospel does to us is it looks at our own identity. It looks at our being, who we are. So I'm going to use the be, belong, and do, which is in our fountain manual, but I'm going to change it to how the gospel influences us. So the first thing is our being. How does the gospel influence me? So I've encountered Jesus, and this is how Jesus has changed my life. I know who I am. I am secure in my identity. Therefore, I trust myself because I know that I'm spirit-filled. So I trust myself even in the everyday things because I know that God is in me and working through me. So that's the first thing we look at. We look at our own identity and how does encountering the gospel work with us. It enables us to be able to see beyond the here and now of life here on planet Earth 2022, I think. Yes, we're getting to the end of it. We're close. Okay, so because I have encountered the Lord And I have accepted Jesus into my heart and I'm believing these stories. I'm believing these narratives to be true, true then and true now over my life. I walk with an assurance in that identity because I know who I am, not as me. I mean, I'm just a person living my life, but I know who I am because of the power of the gospel within me, that it doesn't actually matter what happens to me and around me, my circumstances can do whatever they're going to do, whether I have control or not. I am grounded in my faith in the living God. So then actually, it's all going to be okay. Right? (laughs) Maybe. No, I promise I believe it. So if I look at my own life, I mean, for a lot of you here today, I probably look very young and like I haven't been through much. But that's the beauty of us sharing life in community. We get to learn from each other no matter our age or stage. Um, I just think for myself, when I was thinking back on this and the times that God has really like, knitted this in to the fiber of my being is the hard bits of life. It's the times when I was retrenched for no reason and I had to choose to trust God that I'm going to get another job and it's going to be a better one and it's going to be the right one. Shane and myself, when we were trying to have kids, we had three miscarriages along the way. We've got two beautiful kids now. But along the way, we had that too. And those are hard things. But do you know what? I was actually fine because I knew this is not the end. This is not where my story ends. I had that assurance, yes, we can be sad today. We allow ourselves that sadness. We allow ourselves to feel those feelings. We're not pretending like life is perfect. But we do know within ourselves it is not the end. Right? That's what the gospel does to us. I knew this isn't the end of our story. This isn't how this plays out. Because I believe in a living God who is going to work his magic, (laughs) whatever that looks like, and this is going to keep going. Right, So there's more, I mean, I can give you countless times in my life where I've just had that thing of like, today is really, really hard. This is a hard road we're walking. But you know what? We're going to be okay. And I know that that is the Lord. Because life is hard and on our own, it's just hard. So I know that when I had that feeling in my gut, that that was the Lord whispering to me, telling me, you're fine. I've got this. My power is still within you, and I'm still working, and this is not the end. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about here. We just keep holding on. That's all we do. We just keep holding on until we reach that. So the gospel empowers us. It gives us strength in crisis because our identity is so deeply founded in our walk with Jesus and in the story of the gospel. If we look at um, the second thing I want to look at, let me just double check I didn't leave anything out. Oh, the other thing I was going to say about identity, it's not just the sense of who I am, it's the sense of whose I am, right? You've heard that before, but it's true, so I'll steal it. It's whose I am. I know whose I am, right? Then it's actually fine. It's fine. We're all going to be okay. Okay. The world has continued to spin in spite of everything we've done to this planet. And I think it will spin for another day more. So we just keep pushing on. If we look at Psalm 46 quickly before we move on, let's just turn to Psalm 46. I just want to read you the first few verses there. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. God is within her. She will not fall. Hey? Should we go home? <laughs> Done. That's, that's the verse I, that I hold on to. That's what we have. God is within you. You will not fall. That's it. That's literally the one sentence you need to remember today. You will not fall because God is within you. Full stop. Hey? Hey? So we've got, now we've got our identity. We know who we are. The next thing that we look at is we look at our relationships to other people. We look at our belonging. Where do we belong and how does the gospel impact that? How does the gospel influence our friends and family and the way that we relate to them? If you know your identity, you're relating to other people from such a secure place and it's way healthier for your relationships, if you are secure in who you are, you are going to relate to others from a much healthier place. And those relationships are going to be better for it. If you are very insecure, generally your response to things, the way that you relate to people is from that place of insecurity. So we say things we don't mean. We can maybe be a little bit grumpy. We can maybe be a little bit rude because we're actually, we're not sure of who we are. So we then spit that out at other people in our attempts to figure out where do I land here. But if we know who we are, we relate much better to others. And we have more grace for others on their journey because we know we're all on it together. As Brene says, what if everybody is doing just the best they can? And when we know who we are, we can relate to people in that way. We can say, I'm sure she's doing the best she can today and I'm going to have grace for her and I'm going to just trust that God is working in her, and hopefully tomorrow she'll be a little kinder, (laughs) right? (laughs) I'm not going to put up with nonsense, but I'm going to have grace for where people are at on their journey. And don't we need that in church? Because we are all here because we serve the same king, but that doesn't mean we would all be besties out in the world. So church sometimes can be a real testing ground for this as we figure it out between our different personalities, our different upbringings, our cultures, everything. Sometimes we come across people that, we really probably wouldn't get on with. But because we're in this kingdom thing together, we want to get on with them. We want to build relationship. And the gospel actually empowers us to do that. If we look in John 4, the story of the woman at the well, um, don't ask me what verse it starts at. I will find it for you here. I think I gave it. Yeah. So Jesus goes to this well, and a Samaritan woman comes to the well. And Jesus says to her, I'm just going to read it over here so that I don't get lost. It says, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For in those days, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Then Jesus goes on to answer and he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. I'm not going to go through this whole um, story with you, but basically in this time, Jesus, this woman encounters the living water of God. They keep having this conversation where by the end of it, she, is, she realizes her faults and she encounters the gospel. And she is transformed from this conversation with Jesus because Jesus knows her. He knows things about her that nobody else knew because he knows us. And so they have this conversation together. And by the end of it, she is completely transformed and convinced she has encountered the living Christ and is very excited about this. And what I want to point out to you at the end of this, um, if we go to verse, sorry, guys, I'm getting there. Um, sorry. Here we go. Verse 29. So verse 28, she leaves her water jar, and the woman went back to town and said to the people, here we go, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? What I want to point out to you is in the beginning of this passage, she referred to him as a Jew. Now she's referring to him as a man. And what's interesting about that is the Jew thing is a prejudice thing. She was seeing the labels. She was seeing the differences. It's like, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? She encounters the gospel. She encounters the truth of her identity and Christ's identity. And those labels fall away. The prejudice falls away. Now he's a man. Isn't that beautiful? Just in that moment, her way of relating to him even gets shifted because she sees beyond the label. When she got there, she saw the label and she thought, this is a Jew, he's asking me for water, this is not okay, we shouldn't be socializing. And at the end of it, he is a man who is meeting her where she needs to be met for her life to be transformed. So that's just one example of how we, we encounter the living God for ourselves. And then that transforms the way we relate to other people. We are able to see beyond the labels. We are able to see beyond the flaws and the difficulties and the stereotypes. And we are able to relate with a gospel lens onto other people's lives. Right? You guys still with me? You still with me? That's awesome. Yeah. This is really powerful stuff. I get quite excited just thinking about how we can have our lives turned around, which I think is just so awesome. The, the next thing I'd love to chat to you guys a little bit about is what happens after that. So we've done our being, we've done our belonging, our relating to others, and the next thing is our doing. So we've looked at what is the gospel, we've looked at how does it change our lives, and now we're looking at how do we share it with others? What is our commission? What is our responsibility in this? Once we know who we are, and we are working on the ways, I say working on, working on the ways that we relate to others because we all know we works in progress in this stuff. <laughs> now, how, what is our next job? How does this go out into the world? Two ways. It goes out into the world because of who we are. So I would say that we have an overt and a covert way of sharing the gospel The covert way we share the gospel is actually just how we live our lives. That is a picture of Jesus. That is a picture of the gospel. The way you live your life can influence many, many people, even without you going and throwing John 3.16 at them every day. Because who we are influences others. We carry something of the Father's heart. And just by walking around, we are lights. We are lights, flawed, but we are lights. And so the first way that we share the gospel is just in actually who we are and how we behave and what we believe and how we relate to people. Now I'm talking about your colleagues and the grocery store lady and the waitress and all of those people. How do we relate to those people? Is it with a gospel mindset? That is our first priority is how do people perceive me? That is actually already evangelism. This is not about blowing my own horn at all, although it probably sounds like it. But the other day I got a very encouraging message from someone who's actually overseas, but they met up with a friend of mine from high school, who I was in high school with the whole way through. And she has only just gotten saved in the last couple of years. So, you know, this, we're 30 something now. And one of the things that she said to them was she said, you have no idea how important it was to me that Hannah was always my friend. Even though she knew what I was doing. Because <laughs> we were opposites in high school. I'm not saying I was perfect, but she was a jawler. Um, <laughs> and I just loved her. And I, wasn't, I, I really wasn't trying to do anything crazy. But clearly just the fact that I kept my love on all these years and we're still friends, regardless of whether she ever got saved or not, It was actually influencing her. So I say that to encourage you not to blow my own horn, because I'm sure I'm not perfect in this. I'm not like some walking evangelist hero. But you don't know the impact of that. Just because I didn't say to her, I'm not hanging out with you. I saw you had three beers. Sorry, I'm out of here. can't do it. What would that have done anyway? Hey, what a bad picture of Jesus, of the church. That's not the church I want her to go to anyway. Judgmental, no. And so what I'm saying is just who you are and the way that you work with your friends and your family, that is already actually spreading the gospel power. Do you agree with me? So do that. Okay. Please go out there and be that person. Okay. The second thing is obviously an overt way. We actually go out and we spread the gospel. We are intentional about bringing people to Christ and letting them hear the story that has changed our lives. Eleanor Mumford always says, we gossip the gospel. And I love that because gossip flies. Hey, let's be honest. Gossip flies. And wouldn't it be so cool if the gossip that was flying was good? It was about a miracle, an amazing thing, an encounter someone had. I'm not only talking about when blind people see and legs are healed. Obviously, those miracles are great and they are great stories to share. But I'm just talking about when your life was transformed or when you got a job that you didn't think you were going to get. That's a little gospel story you can gossip about because that's us encouraging each other. Even within the church, how encouraging is that? When you hear that, when you hear someone say, you know what, I was so freaked out, I didn't think I was going to make it to the end of the month, I had no money left, and someone gave me money. When I hear that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, I forgot I can pray for money. But it's true, and it spreads the gospel. We need to gossip the gospel, and that is how we spread it. Hey? Yes? Amen. We need to be praying for people. We need to speak to to people, and we need to share these things. Sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable, because sometimes it's not what we would want to do. It's a little bit nerve-wracking going up to that stranger and being like, can I pray for you, or I got this word, hey? Those are the things that we're all a little bit less eager. I say that me, maybe you guys are amped. I'm a little bit less eager to go to strangers in the shop and pray for them. But you know what? I need to do it. I need to just keep doing it. I was listening to a Bill Johnson talk the other day, and one of the things he said is boldness is just one step beyond convenience. Hey? One step. Surely I can do one step. Yeah? One step. That little bit of bravery to spread this gospel, because we all know about the power of the gospel. That's what we've just spoken about. Now we need to spread it, we need it to go out into the world. And not broken telephone. So we need to have our own stories that we are sharing. We can't all just be relying on the one story the pastor gave on Sunday and we're going to spread that the whole week everywhere we go. Because then it's going to broken telephone, break down, and just be watered down by the end of the week. We need to be encountering the gospel and spreading our own stories where we go. That's the power. Yeah? Good. I think so. There was a story, (laughs) that's fine. Um, Another story in John 4 that I'm not going to go into too much detail over, but there's a story in verse 42 to 53 where there was an official whose son was lying dying. And he had heard about Jesus. And he believed that Jesus would save his son. So he left his dying kid and his whole family, which I think is already controversial on its own. He left them and traveled for two days based on the gossip he'd heard about Jesus. And he got to Jesus and he said, Jesus, please come and heal my son, please. Jesus said, it's done, go home. Because of your faith, it's done. Then he had to go two days, trusting that what Jesus said over here really did happen. Imagine it didn't. He got all the way home and it was all for nothing. It happened, but he had to go all the way back two days to his family, and his son was healed, miraculously recovered. And do you know when he was healed? The exact moment that Jesus said, he's healed. They worked it back. The exact moment that this man got to God and said, help me, it was transformed. From the gossip he'd heard that there was a man that might be able to help Because the gospel will travel and God will work. And you know that the end of that story that I really love, if we just look at the end of it, the man went back to his family. So he and all his household believed. So this was an official, which meant it was a big household many servants and family members and all of that, if we look at that time. And that miracle, not only did it transform that kid and his parents, it transformed the whole household because one man believed the gospel that he had heard gossiped on the wind and he trusted it, hey? So it's worth us gossiping it because we have no idea what other people are going through and when they're gonna need to hold on to that little bit of gossiped gospel to get them to the cross, to get them to Jesus. Yes? good, okay, I promise I'm going to land at some point today, and um, the problem is that when I'm preaching, I don't have my kids, so I do apologize to all of you, but it's super peaceful for me, <laughs> so <laughs> I may just go on to another one, I mean, I don't know what the next page is, but let's just, should we turn there, <laughs> no, jokes guys, but it's very nice, my kids are small, it's a lot, Um <laughs> The one thought I had at quarter to five this morning when my child woke me was, what shoes are you wearing? Can you see? Look at your feet. I've got none on, because mine were not comfortable. What shoes are you wearing right now? Look down, look at your feet. If I told you we're all going outside and we're running a 5K, are you ready? Yeah. Not. Anybody actually got like running shoes? It's trendy now, so some people have them on, that's fine. But it made me think about it because the gospel, me believing the gospel and having that power within me is like me wearing my running shoes at all times. I'm ready. Let's go. You need me to run? I'm ready to run because I've been equipped to do that thing. Yeah? So we're not ready today. We're all in the wrong shoes. (laughs) But it's just a thought for you to keep with you. Do you have running shoes? Do you have running shoes spiritually? In your relationship with God, do you feel like you've got the shoes? You ready? Let's go. What is God asking me to do? I'm ready. I can run. I did wonder if it's because I'm a South African. I always have that moment when you're in a bit of a dodgy place, and you think to yourself, if I need to, can I? Can I run? (laughs) Is it just me that thinks that? (laughs) I always think, I'm going to grab the kids. I'm going to flip these things off. I'm going barefoot. (laughs) But I have that moment, South Africa, we know you might need to. But it's actually important. If I'm going somewhere dodgy, I'm wearing the good shoes so that I'm ready. Hey? Basically, if you go anywhere with Dave, wear the right shoes because he takes people to weird places. You need to be ready. Chainsaws, hiking, whatever. But that's just something for you guys to think about. Are you ready? Do you have the gospel power within you? And do you feel empowered by it? Are you ready? If we're going to go run a 5K now, let's go. Hey? So that's what I'm asking of you today. I'm asking of you, have you encountered the gospel? Have you allowed it to change your heart, first of all? Have you allowed Jesus to impact your identity? And are you ready to share it with others? Are you doing it already? Maybe you are. But maybe you're feeling a little stirring now that this is the next step for you. You need to actually get the running shoes on. We're going to go into that next season together. It's the practical outworking of our faith, and it's an expression of our love to spread the gospel. So what I actually wanted to do with you guys today, before we pray, there's a song that I really wanted you to listen to and potentially sing along with if you feel like it, no pressure. But I obviously am very um, late on the prep, so I couldn't get the worship team to do it. But what we're going to do is we're going to listen to it together, and the words are going to be up on the screen. And I'd like to ask you to just stand for a minute, if you can. And we're going to sing this song together. And this song, for me, my son and I, well, my daughter's also there, but she's one, um, we sing it every morning on the way to school, which is obviously very cute, listening to a four-year-old sing this. And the reason why I listen to it every morning is because it boosts my faith and it gives me hope for the people around me, and it gives me hope for this, for this world that I live in, and how Jesus empowers me, and how God is always moving. It is not over, and we are all in this together. So can I ask you to stand for me, and we'll pray afterwards, but let's just take a moment and listen to this together. Those of you on the live stream, sorry, you have to leave, because we're not allowed to play this on YouTube. Okay. Okay. Isn't that amazing, hey? I hold on to that word every day. I'm sure we can all think of people in those situations. And I say, don't you tell me he can't do it. Mm. It's happened before and it can happen again. And yes. we hold on to that trust. Thank you, Lord.